All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101Insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. Yes, I'm back, joined by my notorious compadre, who's gotten us through thick and thin, uh, my brother, Aaron Pizzamind Malone. Que pasa, brother? Except no invitations, there's only the real thing here at the Crypto 101 Finance no imitation can we say that whatsoever. Now? Can we say, can we call ourselves Crypto 101 Finance now that we're ranked in the top 20 uh, US business podcasts? I, I or is there like, can. do we have to check with legal? Do we still have to call <laughs> ourselves a podcast? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll check with legal. Okay, check with legal. Uh, we actually do have a legal team now. We've grown quite a bit. And we want to thank all of our listeners that have been with us this whole time through over 370 episodes now. So I just want to give a shout out and a sincere a remark of gratitude towards everyone who's gotten us this far. And uh, what a long journey it's been. It's it been is. a long journey for our guest today as well. Uh, George Harrop, the co-founder of Step Finance. Welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast, my friend. Oh, thank you very much, guys. It's great to be here. And you've been around this space uh, even longer than Bryce and I have, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you've started a bunch of companies. You're a serial entrepreneur just like us. You've been around. You've seen it all. Um, how excited are you to be still in this space as a survivor? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, um, I mean, a lot of people in the crypto space kind of judge time based on the price of Bitcoin. Like if you can, uh, if, if you can name a price of Bitcoin, then generally people go oh yeah okay that's like six seven years ago whatever so so that's kind of how i navigate time um but yeah you know i've been in it for for quite a while now i guess over a decade 
I was mining Bitcoin at a dollar and something. And uh, one of the first miners, first FPGAs, ASICs and so on. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, a little bit of background. I've uh, founded a, a couple of companies along the way. Was the first to found a, a crypto remittance company based out of Hong Kong. Um, and a uh, lot of learnings from there, sort of raised several different rounds, venture and, and corporate and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I've sort of seen this space grow from nothing, a bunch of uh, internet nodes to, uh, to something of which we're talking about trillions of dollars now. So um, yeah, quite humbling experience, but you know what? I'm pretty happy to be here every single day. I don't consider it work. It's, it's more just fun. You know, I wake up in the morning and it's something that I really want to do. I, I, it's probably the same for you guys. Yeah. And uh, just like on that point, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but uh, before we were, before we hit the record button, you'd mentioned, you're like, sorry, you know, it's, it, there's a thunderstorm raging outside. So my internet connection might not be that great. And it's midnight. Um, and I'm like, holy smokes, this guy is staying up for midnight uh, to, to record a podcast, like this guy doesn't sleep. So when he says he wakes up in the morning, I'm like, when do you even have time to sleep? I mean, you've built how many crypto companies so far? Well, so there's there's been a couple of different ventures. I mean, I think this is probably number three or four uh, on on the tally. But um, yeah, you know, basically, if, if I'm if I'm awake, then I'm available, right? Like <laughs> crypto is 24 seven, you got to be the same. So yeah, <laughs> it's all good. And so, so your, your, your latest project that you just launched is called Step Finance. Um, and for, for all of our listeners who are big fans of the Solana ecosystem, um, you guys are really some pretty critical infrastructure, um, some yield aggregators on Solana. And not many people are in that space yet. Not many people, um, at least in, you know, relevant to Ethereum. Um, it's still much smaller developer base, but we're excited to dive into, uh, we want this to be like, you know, an action packed episode about like Solana as well as everything going on in step finance. But let's, let's first just take a step back because I think a lot of people are listening uh, either who are just, you know, we're, we're watching our viewers. And the only reason why we brought it up is because they're really starting to tick up quite a lot back to how they were back in 2017. So we're like, Oh, looks like as prices start to rise, a lot of people from 2017 are starting to come back and get reinterested in the space. So like, bro, what has changed, right? Like we said, like, you know, back in 2017, it was a white paper and a dream plus a $5 billion market cap for some of these things. No product, no code, nothing. Big bubble, big bear market wiped everybody out. And now we're kind of, you know, at valuations that are, you know, some coins have, you know, still lower valuations than they did in 2017, but people are using these things. Like now there's real products, real liquidity, real users. So, so kind of from your vantage point, like, you know, what's changed for, since 2017? Where do we find ourselves today? Uh, you know, beginning of, or, uh, of quarter two, 2021. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the key points I said before was uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited with how things and, and where we're at in the current industry. And in fact, I think I'm just as excited as I am now in 2021 as I was back in 2011 mining my first Bitcoin. You know, I, kind of a cliche, but I actually do feel that way because I think that we've come quite a long way since 2017. 2017 was, you know, as you said, more about hype, more about uh, just taking bets and gambling than it was like doing productive things. Whereas now, um, you know, with the rise of DeFi, like I actually think that that's a, a really exciting area because it's it's not just, um, you know, here is a cryptocurrency and it's trying to compete with money. It's more here is a financial system and a financial system is a, is a much bigger play than just, you know, a store of value. 
So like if you take the Bitcoin example of the, the gold market cap, seven, eight trillion, whatever it is, um, a financial system is a lot more than that. It's like, you know, 10x. Yeah, there's so, like levers um, so I, of I, different uh, lending and borrowing and, you know, rehypothecation. Exactly. And there's, there's many different things behind it. Exactly. Lending, borrowing, getting loans, you know, um, being able to, to transact across different assets all within the same ecosystem. Like, I think that's, that's super cool. So, Underwriting, um, so yeah, you know, lateralization, escrow, insurance. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I, like a good example is uh, I, uh, uh, last year I was paying my rent with a collateralized DeFi loan, um, which I was getting paid to borrow against. So I'm literally getting paid to, to pay my rent. Um, and I did the same just for like my expenses. Like you buy a Big Mac, actually that's got a yield associated with it because the money I'm using to buy the Big Mac has a has a positive uh, net APY. So just funny things like that, right? And wow. it's um, I think that's you know the the start of uh, of of a new sort of age. And um, yeah, you know DeFi is right at the heart of that. You know, I actually kind of want to stop right there on, on that note. People are probably just like, wait, what did he just say? Like he took out a loan <laughs> and then he paid off, like paid off, like people's mind are blown at like what sort of possibilities are going on here. And I think people are really eager for like a product that they could have in their hands in order to obfuscate away all of the complexities of what a, you know, a, a you know, 12 year tech veteran uh, can do and can build. They want something they could just say, Hey, like, I just want to do that with a click of a button. Is that stuff, is that going to be on the horizon? Is that anything you're building? Are you, are we still in the phase of like, Hey, if you want to capitalize on opportunities like that, um, you still have to be super techie. Yeah, I think there still is a barrier to entry for a lot of these DeFi things, but it's getting better, right? And and that's something that, that we want to bring to the table is being able to to be that one place that uh, the people go to. And it's it's that one place that you always have open, you always have your tabs open every day. And it's the one place that, uh, you know, everyone's looking at. So I think, you know, for us, if we can be that place, um, I think that's immensely valuable, right? And I think everyone would agree that it would be easier if you didn't have to memorize 10 different places. Oh, I need to go over there to get a loan and then need to swap it over here. And then that place doesn't have the best liquidity. So like nobody wants to think about these things. Right. And it's only really people that are stuck into the ecosystem that are really going to know anyway. So I think that the key to unlocking like the next billion people coming into this space is, uh, is by making it a lot easier um, you know, doing away with a lot of the encumbrances and different weird wallets and approvals and, and uh, you know, dispersing people through, you know, a hundred different mechanisms to just do one thing. Like you ideally just want one place, which brings it all together, aggregates it all together. And uh, yeah, you know, that's sort of one of the, the guiding principles behind Step Finance and what we're doing. Very well said. Before we learn more about Step, I got one more question for you regarding uh, history What's one of the reasons you think, just broadly speaking, not talking about your own companies, but why do you think some companies failed in the past and never made it out of 2013, never made it out of 2016 or 17? And why do you think those that actually did withstand the test of time were able to succeed? Yeah, I think it comes down to product market fit. You know, people say that it's like a term which gets thrown around a lot by investors and stuff, but Ultimately, that, that's what it is, right? Is you can have the best product in the world. Um, I think it was Napoleon that said that, um, you know, uh, ability is nothing without opportunities. So, like, you've got to be able to be in the right place at the right time with something that people actually want um, that is meaningful and valuable. And often we've seen in the past where, 
you know, projects might release something, it might be a white paper, it might be going, oh, we're X amazing thing. And actually, like nobody cares, like nobody needs that. It's not a problem. You're not solving any pain points. Um, and I think we saw a lot of that in, in 2017, where you get these massive valuations of projects, which can't really justify it because there is no market there. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that um, to, to be a successful company and the distinguishing factors are like, do you have a real need to exist are people wanting to to use your product because you can't get away with a hope and a dream these days like you've got to have a little bit more to it um like we've sort of gone through that cycle where it's a hope and a dream and a white paper but i, I think people kind of see through that now and given the competition is doing productive things where it's loans or whatever else it might be it's like you know that's the competition that's what you have to beat so if you're just a hope and a dream you're probably not going to stand up to that and people are probably not going to value you the same way um, so yeah, so I, I think that product market fit is probably one of the key areas that you can uh, distinguish yourself these days. And um, do you feel like Step Finance has struck gold and found that product market fit? And, and why don't we kind of talk about what it is that you guys are up to? Yeah, for sure. So I guess um, you know one thing, bring it back a little bit of background on what we're doing. Like so. You know, there's a couple of friends of mine. We've been in this industry for you know this decade now. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of stuff. Um, so what we decided at the sort of end of last year was, um, you know, let's have a look at some of the tools which define needs, but nobody's really built. And hey, you know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be something which is useful. And mainly we wanted that because these were the tools which we wanted as, as DeFi investors. Um, you know, one of those was automated uh, trading strategies. So like a DCA, dollar cost averaging. So you put your money somewhere and it'll buy your coins every day or every week or whatever it is. And you sort of get an average price, um, you know, from that. So it's a known investment strategy. It's it's kind of simple to, to gauge. You know, we, we looked at, um, built an initial prototype on Ethereum. Um, but the problem was that with only six users and Ethereum at 1500 bucks, it was going to be $180 per transaction. And that's just, you know, not viable, right? Um, and if we're making a 1% cut, like, you know, how much volume do we have to transact to even break even just on gas costs? So pretty crazy. Like then we looked at side chains, Umatic, uh, you know, XDAI and these other ones. And it's like, cool, but, you know, they don't have any liquidity for the coins people want to buy for these trading strategies. Um, so come this year, um, Solana was having a hackathon and we had another look at Solana. And we're like, you know what? Many of the, the trading strategies and things which, uh, the coins which people want to buy, they're actually on Solana already and they have plenty of liquidity because Solana's liquidity is provided by the biggest market-making fund in the world with Alameda. So we, we looked at that and we were like, cool, um, you know, let's have a look at Solana. We entered the hackathon and we submitted our project, which was this, you know, automated DCA. But what we found through the end of that was like, you could just be another product out there and be like, hey guys, look at me. Like, you know, we're doing something awesome, but you're just like another thing. Um, and we thought, you know, actually what Solana was lacking at the time was this like cohesive area, this, this place that you go to every day, which does exist on, on some Ethereum platforms in, in the DeFi space that like aggregates all of the different things together and just puts it on one page. And we call that like a, like a dashboard, a portfolio dashboard overview, uh, you know, where you see, you know, not only what tokens you have, what LP positions you have, maybe aggregates different swaps from different liquidity pools. Um, and gives you basically insights into all the different projects which you might be dipping your fingers in. So after the hackathon, um, yeah, we, we, we got together and we were like, you know what, 
the best way for us to get eyes on our strategies is actually to not build a strategy platform. It's more to be this, this DeFi dashboard. And that's how Step Finance was born is we started off as this DeFi dashboard. Um, you know, that was only about whoa, three, four weeks ago now, actually, but things have been rocketing really fast. You know, we, we've raised a private round with, with some of those, you know, amazing funds, you know, biggest in the world, a lot of interest in, in what we're doing, but what we're doing doesn't really exist on Solana. And, you know, I can talk a little bit about why Solana, but, you know, firstly, the, the key thing was, um, was it's just faster, cheaper, and it's got access and liquidity to all the stuff that the people want anyway. And uh, yeah, like if, if we are saying that DeFi is a thing, it's decentralized finance applications, um, some of it is going to be on Ethereum, some of it's going to be on Solana, some of it's going to be on whatever other blockchain, but it's going to be a multi-chain world. And sort of that's what we're looking at is that, there needs to be these places in this multi-chain world that bring it all together. And that's what we're trying to do. Well, first off, congratulations on a great raise and uh, being in the right place at the right time. We want to learn more about Solana because we haven't had a chance to really do any kind of a deep dive on that ecosystem. But my first question is, is there something special about Solana that makes it great, that makes it the next big thing? Or is it only because... Alameda and SBF are backing it that people are using it. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at DeFi applications, like what do you need and what do you want and what's important? Um, so I think, you know, everyone agrees that Ethereum kind of spearheaded this, this DeFi, um, you know, space. A lot of the big projects are there. You have billions of dollars. I think it's over a hundred billion in, in TBL now. Um, so a lot of stuff was happened on there and, and that's because they had a developer ecosystem and, and they had a lot of, um, you know, build up over the years. So, you know, Ethereum certainly pioneered that way, but what we saw probably in the last six months, uh, maybe 12 months was a lot of these alternative, um, platforms coming up that maybe had, a, a, could do the same as what's happening on Ethereum, but maybe that. They improved it in say so you know you had the Solanas of the world coming up you had BSC and that whole craze coming up you had Polkadot launching which was trying to be this cross-chain place um, and uh, you had a lot of these sort of different blockchains vying for this DeFi mindshare but I think you know for Solana the, the key points here is like number one is it's fast and cheap and while a lot of people say that and oh cool i got a blockchain it's fast and cheap there's a lot of blockchains out there that do that but the problem is that they don't have enough liquidity in the coins which matter so if you want to buy sushi or wifi or crv or any of the billion different market cap you know defi coins out there um, you can't buy it on these other chains which might say they're wonderful um, but on solana you can so you know the first stage is you know speed and liquidity i would say the second stage, I think, is, uh, you know, Solana is not a Solidity uh, blockchain. So the programming language behind it is different to Ethereum. And what it means is you can't just like copy paste stuff, right? And you sort of see a little bit of that with, uh, with Binance Chain and how they've been able to grow. There's a lot of sort of very similar projects because the code is compatible between both Ethereum and BSC. Um, but with Solana, because you can't do that, like you actually need to put a, quite a bit more thought into it um, and it, everything runs on Rust. So it's a different programming language. Now, it, it does, we don't really need to care about the specifics about what's better or what's worse. But the point is that, A, you need to put in some thought uh, into what you're doing and B, it kind of uh, concentrates the quality of projects that emerge. Um, so I think that's what we're seeing. You know, the hackathon had, I think, over like 130 different submissions um, and that was up like 5x or something from the previous hackathon. Um, so people are starting to realize 
um, that perhaps the, the, the gas problems that we experienced uh, on Ethereum is like, it's a real thing. It literally prevents you from building products. Um, and like we would have launched on Ethereum, our DCA platform, if we could have more than six users. Um, but, you know, it was completely unviable, right? So you've got to look for alternatives. The question is, what's the best alternative? And Solana at the moment, you know, with the backing, with the liquidity, um, with the uh, rise in this development and these new things emerging, it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting. So, you know, for us, I think it, it totally makes sense that that's where we should be. Other alternative blockchains, yeah, look, there's, there's some great things out there. Um, I don't think they're there quite yet in terms of the scope of which they have. So like, you know, can I go and buy $10 million worth of a bunch of random, you know, coins um, that I might care about from all different blockchains? Can I buy them on one place yet? Um, Solana is really the only kind of place which allows you to do that. So, so that's, that's why we're super interested in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a very compelling, um, you know, thesis and, you know, I subscribe to it as well. I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of Solana and, and for the team over there um, and for all the kind of the, the other pieces of the ecosystem that are kind of forming together. Um, but then I also kind of think like, you know, if, if Solana is really leading the way of, you know, competing with Ethereum, what, where does that leave the likes of Polkadot and Cosmos? Are those, competitors with Solana, are they accessories? Are they negligible? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think firstly, I would say that um, in the beginning, we said that, you know, Ethereum had all of the the, the uh, traction with, with DeFi, but that's been reducing over time. So I don't think it's a 100% zero game. It's a multi-chain world. So maybe it'll be that Ethereum has the majority share, um, but the rest of the share will be split between these different blockchains, which fulfill the role of whatever that uh, projects, you know, want. So I think that Solana, there's, it's a big enough space where we're not like stealing each other's lunch. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's growing at such a rapid pace um, that the start of this year, we had, what was it, like 30, 40 billion or something in TVL, and now it's over 100 billion. Um, and it's it's only been like a couple of months. So I think that like that's that's money, which is not... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply being taken from one area and put in another area. So the pie is big enough. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is, yeah, I mean, these other blockchains, they might have a different spin on things, right? So Solana is going for the route for like traders focused with uh, liquidity and different, you know, uh, options, which you can do as a market maker there. Um, you know, there's, there's options protocols, there's leverage protocols, um, you know, there's farming, there's AMMs, there's lots of different stuff. The usual wow. kind of trading things. Then you've got Polkadot, which is maybe doing the cross-chain play. Um, you've got Cosmos, which has a bunch of other projects on there. So I think each will have their niche and like one is not going to be like, oh, this one's better than the other one. It's like, no, no, they will all fulfill their role. Their roles will be different and they'll all do different stuff and that's okay. Um, so, yeah. One of the things that I've really been thinking about um, is kind of some similarities between the tech bubble and like and where we're at now. And so one of the statistics that I heard um, was that the tech bubble 
when it uh, when it launched, you know, it was something like five trillion dollars of value before it really like Nasdaq was five trillion dollars in value before it popped, um, and then adjusted for inflation, that's something like you know upwards of uh, forty or fifty trillion dollars in notional value before it popped, and here we are in, in crypto, you know, again middle of um, second quarter of Q two, and and we're sitting around total a two trillion dollar market cap for for Bitcoin, which is at a trillion and then everything else, which is at a trillion. So when you're thinking about, you know, long term timing investments in the market, not necessarily, you know, um, monetary investments like capital expenditures, but even just like, you know, building businesses like how much higher, how much longer do you kind of feel like this sort of um, hot market goes um, is it, you know, up only or are we, are we near a sort of near term peak? I know you said that uh, you're, you're very bullish with where we stand currently. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think where we are currently is we're doing well at where we're at currently in the cycle. You know, things have been going well for the last 12 months in all of crypto in every area and every vertical. Um, does that continue? Do we get another three year bear market or anything like that? I think where we're at this time is, you know, given the situation with the world uh, and and all of the various crazy, you know, policies around the place, I think that you're just going to see more of of this crypto stuff emerging and and people are going to be looking for these alternatives. So in, in the DeFi space with loans, like, you know, I don't think that's going any going away anywhere, right? Like that's not going to go to zero tomorrow. You know, if it's so hard for me to get a loan from my bank. Like I have to do all these forms. I have to prove to them all this stuff. Like and it takes them like, you know, a month or two to even get back to me. Or yeah. I can go to crypto. I can click a few buttons and I can get a loan instantly. And by the way, it's like, they're going to literally pay me to have a loan in some of these protocols. So like you can't compete. Like it's, it's fundamentally. It's, talk, uh, it's, talk about that. I think a lot of people hear that, like pay me to take a loan and it really confuses them. Um, yeah. so, so, so why don't we walk through that aspect? Yeah, so probably one of the biggest protocols in, in this loan space started with Compound. Um, another one is, is Aave. Um, and how they started with Compound was that Compound has a token um, and it, it's called a comp token. It has a value and a price. Um, and Compound itself is a place where you can put, say, uh, you know, your Ethereum, let's say, and then you can borrow against that Ethereum, which you have in your wallet. You can maybe borrow a USDC. Uh, or something like that, right? So if I have one uh, Ethereum, I can then go and borrow, I don't know, a, a thousand USDC. And then I still have my Ethereum. I lock it in Compound, but then Compound will will give me a thousand USDC. And now with that USDC, I can go and do stuff with it, right? I can go and put it somewhere else and you know make some yield on it or spend it or do other stuff. When you put your money into Compound and when you take these, these loans and, and provide this collateral Ethereum, they give you the comp token on top. And the comp token has a value. So what you can do is you can go, well, look, to borrow USD, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, a 5% uh, borrow rate or something like that. But the amount of comp, which I'm getting this token is equivalent to say, you know, 7%. Um, so yeah, I'm paying five, but then I'm earning seven. So I'm, I'm net plus two, right? It's so a, It's I'm like a little interest rate arbitrage. It's almost like the, the borrow short lend long. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, why wouldn't you do this system, right? So, um, yeah, I, th- I think, and, and people will go, you know, the argument is, well, it's not going to be around forever. And it's like, yeah, cool, I get that argument. But even if it's, 
let's say it's it's greater than zero. Like for example, let's say um, it it goes back to like just the bare you know five percent borrow rate or something like that. If I'm getting anything else on top, it's still a good deal, right? Maybe I'm not getting seven percent. Maybe I'm getting better 3%. than a kick in the nuts, is what I say. <laughs> exactly right. So you know, it, it, it's better than nothing, and it, there's always going to be some number there. So I mean, yeah, fundamentally, I think that that's something which has real sticking value this time, and you're probably not going to see that disappear um, because it's just fundamentally easier to do. Like I can do it all within my wallet. I don't have to prove to anyone who I am. Um, you know, nobody has to verify my application or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, people that will be in this DeFi space will probably stay in this DeFi space. Um, and I, I certainly find myself doing that is like all of my finances, basically, I just manage within this space. I only really need to dip out to, to fiat every so often because um, there's just no need, you know, like why would I put money in the bank when I could earn like a big yield on it somewhere else? It makes no sense. Yeah, I completely agree. In order to do that kind of stuff, you kind of have to be a financial ninja, though. Yeah, uh, You have to have some experience in the space. And there's a lot of people that are jumping in for the first time. They don't even know what a market cap is. They're simply just buying tokens because the price is cheap relative to Bitcoin with no concept whatsoever of circulating supply or any of that stuff. Before we get to uh, net positive loans, what are some things that people who are brand new to the space should research before making their first purchase even. Yeah. There's some basic things they need to understand. Yeah. I mean, so in DeFi, decentralized finance, you have custody of your funds. Like that's a critical thing, right? Is there is no Coinbase. There is no customer support line. There is nothing like that. So it's, it's all on you basically. So I think the, the first thing is if you get into this space is like, okay, what does this DeFi thing mean? Like what, are, what wallets do I need? What are these wallets? How do they work? How do I put money in them? Um, and there's quite a few different places uh, like you guys, uh, podcasters, you know, there's, there's different people um, that are talking about these things. Um, but I think certainly to, to research, like you've got to understand the basics of like, this is, this is not just a, a thing where you go on an exchange, you buy a coin and you hope it goes up. Um, like, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. So I would say like understanding how wallets work and what non-custodial means in that the fact that like if I lose my keys to my wallet, I've just lost my money. You know, there's no one I can call. There's no support help helpline that can get my money back. So it's done. Um, so I think you know people need to understand that crucial aspect and make a decision. You know from there. And I think it's up to the entrepreneurs in this space to go and build products which can cater to people from all different walks of life. So like you know if you're completely new to the space, you have no idea, but you want to get in then maybe, you know, there is some product out there built by, you know, some team which is trying to make your life easier. And I think that that's going to be a, a key sort of starting point for a lot of people. And there will be other products which are, you know, you need to be a crazy financial ninja to know all this stuff, but they're, they're not targeted at like, you know, everyday people that are brand new. You know, they're targeted at, at veterans and so on. And that's fine. It's just a different audience. So, yeah, it depends on, you know, what stage you're at. Um. It, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Um, I'm going to talk about the the meme of institutional adoption. I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it, but a lot of people think you know um, the way to get you know Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies to you know multi trillion dollar market caps is through quote unquote institutional adoption. So 
My, my question to you, is that a false premise that people believe that we need institutional adoption? That's kind of the first question. The second question is like, well, what does institutional adoption really look like in, right now? And are you seeing it or are you kind of seeing it's a fallacy? You got good, good insights. Uh, so it's just kind of try and pick those out from you. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I would say like back in my day, um, you know, with Bitcoin <laughs> back in the day, it was uh, it was just it was one website on the Internet and there was one random exchange in Japan called Mount Gox. And that was it. Um, and that that spurred and, and started this thing, which is now worth a trillion dollars. So that that gained traction and momentum, not through JP Morgan buying this this magical Internet money. But it was through everyday people that were saying that this is maybe something worth looking at. You know, I'm going to I'm going to experience with it. Um, so almost think, like they're buying, you know, the institutions who are buying, they're finally capitulating to what we've been building for years. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, people say, oh, the smart money is coming. The smart money is coming. No, no. They're, they're the late to the show. They're the dumb money. The smart money has been in for a while. That's that's all of us. You know, that's been in <laughs> we're it. dumping our bags on Wall Street now. Exactly. And that's a great position to be in. So, yeah, I I think, you know, people saying, you know, institutional money and blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, these guys have been late to the show. Um, You know, they're they're coming in late and and they're going to pay the higher price and they are. That's fine. But it was it was really just, you know, average everyday people um, who just had a passion in this space. They're the ones who brought it to the trillion dollar market cap. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think we need institutions to be successful at all. In fact, I, I, we're going to be successful in spite of that. Yeah, history would prove otherwise, right? We're already successful. <laughs> exactly. Very well said. Um, and not only is price growing, but the passion that you mentioned is growing as well. I'm getting a lot of messages these days from our community that want to start in the crypto space, that or either want to come out of retirement or they put their jobs to work in this industry. As a longtime founder, can you give us a high level of how to pitch an idea to a venture capital firm, how to find a venture capital firm, and what are some basic pointers to someone who wants to start developing in this space? Yeah, so I, I think firstly, right now is a good time to be entering the space. Um, you know, there is a lot of people, uh, certainly investment funds and so on, that are looking to fund good teams and good people. Um, so it, it, the timing thing is important. Um, but I would say that, you know, in, in my previous life, I spent years raising money, right, and going on the, the fundraising trail and shaking all of the hands and having the meetings for coffee that lead nowhere. And then maybe, you know, 5% of the meetings that you have with these VCs and these other people, like angel investors and whatever, maybe it turns into a funding opportunity. That was then. I think now we're in a different space in, in the crypto cycle where things can move a lot faster. Um, you know, good teams can, can get funding a lot easier. Um, and, you know, that, that's great. That's a great position to be in. And it's just a function of like bull market things, right? Like that's not going to be around forever. Um, but I would say that, you know, critical to what, if you're going to be out there trying to start something new, well, firstly, like I said, you've got to have that product market fit. Um, you can't just have a hope and a dream, uh, you know, these days. It's got to be something useful and, and productive, you know, that does something real um, and actually adds value. And, and people go, well, what does adding value mean? Well, I mean, you've got to have some reason that people want to pay you to do stuff. Um, and if they're not willing to pay you to do stuff, then it's probably not something which is going to add value. So I would say that if you can prove that um, to some of these investors in the space that are looking to fund the good teams, like they'll, they'll back you. Um, it's just about getting that point across about what is the value which I'm providing? You know, why do people need my product? 
Um, you know, why, why would they use this as opposed to something else? Um, and yeah, I think if you can, if you can eloquently say that, you know, you, you'll find the, the right funding in this space. So um, yeah, I think now is a good, is a, is a great time to do it. <laughs> what do you, what are your kind of thoughts on um, from a, tr- like, I know you said you manage your own personal finances in crypto. And I think a lot of people aspire uh, to kind of get to that level, but right now they're, they're maybe just feeling like they're trading a little bit of their, you know, savings in it and stuff. And so kind of like maybe from, you know, of course, not investment advice, this is all educational, but like, you know, how do you do it? Right. Like, is there a certain, you know, is there a certain like theory that you subscribe to or maybe certain like turning, po- like maybe some telltale hallmark signs that like, you're in a good move or you're in a bad mood, anything you could share there? Yeah. I mean, I've learned over the years that I'm not, a, I'm not a trader, so I don't try and be a trader. And there's a difference between being a trader, being an investor and being someone who's just managing your money. Um, so, you know, that, that's the first point is learning the distinction between those two things. So firstly, I would say, yeah, don't try and trade on day one. Like we're not, we're not all going to be good. And maybe it's, it works out good for a while until it does. I think we lost him in the thunderstorm. The lightning, the lightning struck. The lightning struck. He said, don't try to be a traitor. And then we lost him and he's frozen. Man, what, is it a sign, Pizza Mind? The government assassinated him as soon as he got those words of truth out. George! <laughs> George! <laughs> George from Georgia. He was a good man. George. Well, we will we'll miss him. a sec here. Um, well, we're going to pause this episode um, and we'll be back, hopefully, with George. Who? Oh, he looks like he's in the waiting room. Um, okay, cool. Let's see here. Are we going to pick up where we left off? George, do we have you? We, I'm back. You're I'm back. back. Oh, All my right, God. Cool. It, was, it was perfect timing. Cool. It was right as you were explaining. Look, guys, don't be a trader if you're not a trader. <laughs> Boom, lightning <Ooh>. strikes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so so where are we? Where are we? <laughs> maybe it's serendipitous. I, I was going to say, you know, I, what I tell some of my friends that are new to this space is yield, I think, is the interesting play here. And it, you don't have to be a trader to do this. So if you uh, treat this DeFi thing as like a savings account, um, you can get yield on your dollars in this ecosystem and, and you can make like a 50% yield on dollars you know, on many of these DeFi protocols, which is crazy if you think of it. Like what's your bank giving you like 0.5% or something like that? So mm-hmm. even if you don't want to like take risk, like, oh, do I buy this thing? Do I buy that thing? Do I be a trader? Do I be an investor or whatever? No, no, you don't need to think about any of that. You, c- you can just put your money to work and earn some passive income and then just go from there. And I think that's a great way to, to get into the space to begin. Can you talk about platform risk? And because um, we are so early in this space and the differences between a savings account, like DeFi is not insured, although you can buy insurance now, but the insurance company isn't insured. You know, it's, So there are other risks that you take. How do you diversify the different places you put your money? Is it one or two? Is it five? Is it 10? Well, what do you need to feel safe to sleep at night? Yeah, well, I guess it, it depends on what you're trying to do as well. You know, with this strategy of like, just look for yield opportunities and take it easy. Like, I think that's that's a good place to go. And that kind of narrows the number of uh, places where you can put your money. So then the question is, okay, which place should I go, right? Should I go to A, B or C? And I, I think the answer to that is, well, look, there's a lot of protocols out there which have billions of dollars of assets in them already. 
And, you know, if they were going to get hacked, if they were going to get exploited, it probably would have happened already. Um, so you, on the one hand, you're probably better off going into these well-known things, which have a lot of users, they have money to pay for, whether it's contract audits or, you know, people to test their products or people to, you know, try and break things along the way. Like they've had a lot of trial by fire already. Um, so I think that when you look at the big protocols, like I mentioned before, like the compounds of the world or the Aves, you know, they have billions in them already. And I think that when you're looking to, to, to put your money somewhere, you probably want to put it in places where there's already money to begin with. You don't want to be like the first guy in to something which nobody's heard of. You know, that would be a bad idea. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, well, yeah, you mentioned there are insurance options out there. There's, you know, you can buy insurance on a, on a yield position or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but still, you know, there's there's still learning curves associated with that. And is it 100% foolproof? Not really. Um, so there's still things out there, right? But there are more opportunities for people to try and, um, you know, reduce their risk in, in some of these things. So, yeah, maybe these, these insurance protocols come to fruition. Maybe they're a good idea. Maybe they're worth looking at. Um, personally, I think that I'd, I'd rather just sort of stay with many of the big protocols that already have users and the money. Um, I think that's a good place to be. Um, but, you know, there are other opportunities that there's ratings agencies as well, I guess you could call them on crypto. Um, there's various pl places which will say this is an A plus place to put your money and this is a C minus. And whatever metrics they use to determine that, who knows? But the point is like there are people out there trying to help make your life easier and to reduce risk where you go and put your money. Yeah. One, one of the kind of notes I'll say on that kind of in closing before we ask you uh, the last question of you know, what, what do people need to know before you leave them? Um, I think that one of the things that is really interesting or a good way to diversify risk is like through some of these new index tokens that are coming out, um, like the DeFi Pulse Index or the ETH Flexible Leveraged Index token. Um, there's a lot of really cool like new tokens where it's basically like uh, you could buy or the Metaverse Index that just came out where you could buy like one token, for instance, um, you know, token MVI and you have one token and you have like in that one token exposure to like, you know, maybe 10% of this coin and 5% of this coin and 10% of that coin, et cetera, kind of like a, like an SMP 500, um, of the crypto world. So I think that like, you know, as people start to understand what's really possible here with DeFi, um, and all these new products that are coming out, I think people are going to get really excited and just think that, wow, in, in 2017, uh, this was just speculative mania. And, and now here, fast forward four years, 2021, everybody's been heads down building and now we've got a bull market and there's amazing products for everybody at home to actually use now. Um, and, and the risks are coming down and it's a really fascinating time to be to be alive and to be building. But um, that, that's kind of my two cents there. But but yeah, before we let you go, man, um, tell us, you know, what are these good folks, these good citizens of Crypt Nation really need to know before they before you release them into the wild? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say firstly, um, research, I think, is really important in this space. Right. So you, you can't just go off into the wilds and, and you know, off into the wild west and, uh, you know, try your hand at things because it might not turn out too well in the end. So I would say, you know, research pays. Look at some of these different DeFi platforms. What are they doing? How do they work? Um, you know, with the Solana thing as well, I would say, you know, look at what's happening on some of these alternative blockchains. 
they're a lot cheaper for, for new people to get into. So it might be a, an interesting way. Like there was someone I was helping the other day, um, you know, just get started staking some coins. You know, they had some coins and they wanted to earn some yield on it. And, you know, after like six failed attempts on Ethereum and a hundred dollars later, their their $30, which they wanted to stake. Um, yeah. Well, it's not really worthwhile. Right. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that um, certainly research, you know, have a look at the options out there and probably maybe focus on things which are low risk to you. You don't want to be ending up paying $100 to, to stake $30. Um, so I think some of these alternative blockchains are probably worth looking at. And um, yeah, you know, Solana and, uh, you know, Step being this this ecosystem that brings it all together and this this one dashboard. So um, yeah, it's probably a good place to start. That's my insert, my, my, little, uh, my little plug there. <laughs> Well said. I think that's great advice. George, thank you so much for spending uh, the last 45 minutes with us. Really appreciate it. Step Finance is the product. We're going to be definitely watching how the Solana ecosystem evolves over time, and we're going to be watching it through the lens of Step. So thank you so much for building that. And um, we will be back next week with another great guest here on the Crypto 101 podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.